Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the ability for us all to come together and worship you, Lord. It says in Matthew 18, 20, I believe, that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are there. So, Lord, you are definitely here with us right now, and thank you for the ability for us to come and praise and worship you together. Mm-hmm. Pray that uh, you will give us ears to hear and uh, give Phil Gaston the, um, the wisdom and the knowledge to speak what you would have him say, and pray that you will just open his heart and open his mouth to give us the message that you would have him give us. And, Thank you, Lord, for just bringing us all together here today and pray that we all take in and understand the lessons you would have us learn. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. I wonder if we could open those curtains at the back again. It's a bit dark up here. Thank you. When I first had a look at the... um, the scripture that I'd been given, I thought, man, that's boring. Goodness me, what am I going to say about that scripture? And then, but as I got into it, got studying it and reading it, I thought, man, that's controversial. So turn with me, please, would you, to the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 7. One Corinthians seven and verse commencing at verse seventeen. One Corinthians seven seventeen. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one. So let them walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called whilst uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Verse 24, brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. I've found this section of the scripture very interesting. And um, I'm very mindful that somebody's going to throw it back at me today. Very mindful. We'll discuss that a bit later on. I can see some smiles already. Should we always accept our situation is assigned to us by God? I think Paul was more concerned about the attitudes 
of the believers than their circumstances. It's patently obvious that a believer in the Lord Jesus should not need to change his circumstances to find spiritual contentment. The apostle, after spending time on marriage, turns to this general doctrine regarding the outward state and condition of man's life. The world generally is not contented with anything. I think that's so, even as a broad generalization. They're not satisfied. That's the reason we have so much crime in our society. Men are not content. They want something that someone else has got. They take it. There's a common saying amongst men about keeping up with the Joneses. You know, some, someone's got something that I want and I'm not content until I get it. Or someone has a station in life that I should have and I want it. I remember seeing a video about a brother in Christ in China and he was in prison and his job was cleaning out the septic tank in the prison and they weren't allowed to sing songs of faith, songs of praise in the prison but he used to sing uh, I come to the garden alone while the Jew is still on the roses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and he was covered in human excrement and he was praising the Lord in his circumstances in the conditions in which he was and no one would touch him, not a single guard or soldier would touch him because he was <clears throat> covered in human waste. But he was happy with his lot and he was satisfied and he was being a testimony to God. So to live contentedly today is to be a testimony to the Lord. And I think this is the thing that proves God's blessing in our lives, not our rank or our station or our job. So many Christians today believe that if they're not wealthy, if they haven't got loads of money, then God is not blessing them. And it's hard for young people to understand why some Christians are wealthy and some are not. And why wouldn't God give me wealth anyway? I'm very thankful that God gives me what I need, not what I want. You know, I've had a situation in my own life recently where I left a place of employment because ethically I couldn't go on with the people that owned the company who called themselves Christians. They did things that were not Christian. 
And I found myself without a job, as most of you know. And that's fine, you know. I'm doing something for the Lord. He's, he's going to bless me with another job, I'm sure of it. Months down the track, and no job. And then two months down the track, and no job. And, you know, Lord, I, I've said to a lot of people, I'd, I'd take an audible voice, you know. I've got no faith. If you just speak to me so I can hear. Still no job. And I'd applied for jobs, applied for two or three jobs. Nowhere. And then a man rang me one day and asked me if I'd like to apply for a job. It was the perfect job. And two hours before that I was saying, Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, uh, you know, am I just going to be without a job forever? Faithless old me. The job interview was a joke. I did no talking, and most of you know about me and talking. And, and the next day he offered me the job. And it's in Auckland. And even my wife <laughs> understands that there's a good possibility that we may have to move to Auckland. And she doesn't want to move to Auckland because she sees that it's of the Lord. God has come in. But there I was, faithless, thinking about what I was going to do. And God was in perfect control. And the thing is that only God can bring satisfaction in our lives. And if I base my contentedness on what is outward, then I've never experienced God. And uh, what he's able to do in my life. And I haven't had the experience of trusting him in everything. It's, in one sense, it's a terrible place to be, but it's a necessary place to be. I didn't like the idea of having no income coming in, but how necessary for God who was teaching me and training me. And causing me to experience the experience of trusting in him. You know, this come, comes home pretty close to a lot of us in this room today. You know, trusting in God fits every circumstance. Everyone. There's not a single thing that goes on in your life or my life that trusting in God cannot cope with. Amen? That was pathetic. Amen? Amen? There's not a single circumstance in my life that trusting in God cannot cover, cannot handle, cannot cope with. And so here the apostle tells them to continue in the state and condition in which they were saved. And he lays down this rule in general as only the apostle could do as God has distributed to everyone. Our circumstances in this world are distributions of divine providence. It's God's goodness that finds us where we are in our circumstances. We're to live confidently for the Lord in whatever station that God has placed us. And no change in any of our status, be it marital or, or whatever, 
can advance our salvation. And again, he says, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. Whatever your circumstances or conditions were when you were converted to Christianity, God says, abide in them. And so the scripture also teaches that no matter what the social condition is, the Lord knows all about it and we need to learn to walk and serve him within these constraints. Never get the idea that if I had more money or if I had a wife or if I had a different wife, um, I could serve the Lord better. If God would just change this or that in my life, then I'd be able to walk so much better for him. Sometimes we blame the way others walk for our failures. But I'm responsible to God to walk worthily of the calling wherewith I've been called. Amen? My, my wife's not responsible. My children aren't responsible. Well, no. My children aren't responsible. I'm responsible to God. You know, that's why he produces diverse circumstances to challenge us and test us and cause us to be cast upon him. It's no one else's responsibility but my own to blame my poor relationship with God on someone else's actions. Friends, it's a cop-out. And God may well be challenging me as to my personal link with him. We're to walk where God has placed us. Paul says, calls it this rule. This rule of Christianity. It reaches every condition. And in every state or condition a believer finds himself, he's to be content with it. And he's to conduct himself in that rank. In the place where God has set him. Very important. God has assigned you a place in life. And you've made a lot of choices along the way to get there. And God has worked through your choices not to control you so that you have to do something, but to allow you these choices and, and to work with you in them. That's what God wants to do. Therefore, you are where God wants you to be. And so the apostle says, don't fight it. Stay in that place where God has assigned you. It's for your blessing. And he has called you there. Called you to what? Chapter 1, verse 9 tells us, God is faithful by whom you were called. Called into what? The fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord. That's our calling. And that inner fellowship is the means by which strength can be obtained to live in difficult or disturbing circumstances. And this is the argument the apostle uses through this whole passage. He doesn't mean by this, however, to keep on do, doing what you were doing before you 
became a Christian no matter what it is. You might have been a gambler or a boozer or a bank robber and God's not saying now you're a Christian, you can be a Christian bank robber or a Christian boozer. No, that's not what he's saying. He doesn't mean that. Also, Paul's counsel to remain in the situation where you were called is not to be mistaken for a call to do nothing. There are circumstances that the gospel simply cannot abide in. Violence is one of them. It should not be used as a justification either to not better our circumstances, to be lazy. No. And so he specifies particular cases. The first one is that of circumcision. Is any man being called circumcised? Let him not be uncircumcised. Is any man being called uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. It doesn't matter whether a man is a Jew or a Gentile. Within the, the covenant of Abraham or outside of it, he who is converted, being a Jew, has no need to give himself to be uncircumcised and vice versa. The apostle goes on to say circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but keeping the commandments of God. The end of verse 19 is the key verse in this particular section. What matters is keeping the commandments of God. It doesn't matter where you live or what cultural habits you follow, what social or economic position you have. None of these things matter. What matters is if you obey God. Do you serve God where you're at? Do you use what you have now for him? So often you hear the cry, if I had more, I would give more to him. Are you serving him in the conditions that God has put you in now? They'd often say, if only I could move or change my job or become rich or whatever, then they would serve God better. If you don't obey him in one place, how will you obey him in another? It matters not whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Bodily marks that indicate a former commitment you've made are insignificant in the things of God. They don't have to be removed. I know Christian men are embarrassed to take their shirt off because their backs are covered with tattoos. And, you know, they're embarrassed about it. They probably had it done when they were young and, and drunk. Paul says it's neither here nor there. Circumcision, uncircumcision, tattooed, untattooed. It doesn't make any difference. The key to your life is not how you look outwardly, but what is going on in your heart. What's going on in your relationship with God, between you and the Lord? Man looketh on the outward, God looketh on the heart. Man looketh on the outward. That's what the scripture says. That's what we do. We look at the man with a tattoo and we say, oh, 
I don't want my kids playing with him. God looks on the hat. So practically in Christianity, it amounts to sincere obedience to the commands of God. So therefore let every man abide in the calling with which he's called. It's, he says it three times in this section of Scripture. And of course it was common in that age of the world for many to be slaves. Bought and sold for money and so you were the property of those who purchased you. And so the apostle says, are you called being a slave? Don't worry about it. It's, that's how it would translate in today's terms. Don't worry about it. It's not inconsistent with your duty, profession, or hopes as a Christian. Yet if you may, if you are able to be free, use it rather. Very interesting. Whether a slave or whether not a slave, it neither hinders nor promotes our acceptance with God. I used to wonder why God didn't just take me to himself when I got saved. Why bother with all this worldly stuff here below? I'm saved now. Let's just get to heaven quickly where there's no mistakes. But I soon realized that God wanted me to be a testimony to himself. God wanted me to work at being a testimony in the normal environment in which I had once existed as an unbeliever to honor and to worship and to be a servant of his in that environment. And that's what he wants for each one of us. And so, verse 22, he that is called being a servant is the Lord's freedman, as he that is called being free is the Lord's slave. Though he's not discharged from his master's service, yet he's free, free from the dominion of sin. Though he be not enslaved to Christ, yet he is bound to yield himself to his pleasure and his service. And yet this service is perfect for him. How wonderfully the scripture is put. Our comfort and happiness depend on what we are in Christ, not what we are in this world. Can I say that again? Our happiness, our position, is dependent on where we are in Christ, not where we are in this world. You ladder climbers out there, where you are in Christ that matters. Not your position or your place in this world. Outward freedom is not real freedom at all. It's not lasting freedom. It's momentary and it's passing. The goodness of our outward condition doesn't discharge us from our duties as Christians, but nor the badness of it takes away the Christian privileges. How wonderful God is. 
So often with us, when things are outwardly going well, our spiritual well-being actually takes a dive. And then when things are not going well outwardly, we more readily turn to God. My grandfather, my mother's father used to say, outward conditions of health and wealth lead to inward leanness with God. And I think that's true. Look at what God's doing in China and in India where there's poverty. Look at what God is doing in third world countries. You could almost say he's passed us by. We've had the opportunity. We've had the chance. And so he who is a slave may yet be a Christian free man. And he who is a free man may yet be Christ's slave. He's bought with a price and shouldn't be a servant or a slave to man, but to Christ. Not that he's to quit his service of his earthly master, his boss, not or not take all the proper measures to please his employer, but he must not be a servant of man. Christ's will must be obeyed and regarded more than his employer. Christ has paid a much dearer price for you, friend. He has a greater right to you. He is to be served and obeyed without limitation, without reservation. The servant of Christ should be at the absolute command of no other master. And so for the third time, let every man, wherein he has been called, abide therein. No change of marital status. No change. Paul's saying, pause, wait, stay. Me, I like to get moving. I like to get running along. I want something to happen. The apostle's saying, wait, pause. Stay in your marriage. Stay in your job. Stay in your circumstances. You can glorify God in it. You are now free in Christ. How wonderful. Christ has set us free in freedom. And our allegiance is to Christ alone. I love that part in that song that Bruce quoted that we sung. Jesus commands my destiny. That's because he's got my destination sorted. He commands my destiny because where I'm going is already done. It's already fixed. God can't change it. Friend, you might be able to change your job. If you love Jesus today, you can change whatever you like here on the earth, but you can't change that one thing that brings comfort to my soul. How wonderful. And things might go terribly wrong for you here on the earth. Things might happen. I can bear witness to the fact that some of my closest moments with God were when physically I was at my lowest, yeah, sickest, 
terrible, lying in a hospital bed, wondering whatever. And I've said this before, but before I got saved, I was the healthiest believer. I've never been so sick in my body than when, since I got saved. And I praise God and thank him for it because he would have never brought me that close to himself if it hadn't been for that. Jesus commands my destiny. How wonderful. Friend, he commands your destiny. He's in complete control of all your circumstances. I've been thinking about that beautiful hymn, When Peace Like a River. The guy that wrote it, Spafford, he lost his family. The ship sunk. I think four of his daughters got drowned. And someone sent him a cable and asked him how he was. He said, it is well. It is well with my soul. And when he was going over the place some months later where the ship sunk in another ship and he lost his family, the captain came through to his room where he was writing the hymn. And he said, we're just going over the place now. And he wrote the verse, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Oh, that each one of us could have that experience, not to lose any of your family, God forbid, but that we might have that experience with God so that whatever happens, Whatever happens, we might say with the hymn writer, it is well. It is well with my soul. That verse had a great effect on my soul. One, one of those trips to hospital when I was lying on a, a life support machine. Though Satan should buffer, though trials should come. Oh, put your hand up if you haven't experienced trials in your life. I thought so. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ, he's taken regard for the estate that I was in, my helpless estate, and has shed his own blood for my soul. Oh, may it grip us, each one. May it become the vision statement for our lives. And may we know what it is to be bought with a price. These believers, they were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Oh, we're not to adopt the principles, the beggarly principles and teachings of the world, evil methods, false teachings. For as much as you know, 1 Peter 1.18, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold, from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. Oh, how wonderful. We've got another man in another world and he commands our destiny. Someone said once Christianity, I've said this many times, is a center without a circumference. The world or Judaism is a circumference without a center. It wants to bind us. It wants to trap us. And God is saying, just be content. Be satisfied. I've got something better for you because I'm in control of your destiny. Christ's death has paid the price to redeem those who have been called. 
How wonderful. The, the result of this is a reversal in our status. I might be a street sweeper. My mother used to always tell me when I was a kid, you always used to go on about being a rubbish collector. I just loved watching those guys go around the streets and I just aspired to be one of them. In Christ there are no street sweepers. In Christ there are no rubbish collectors. Hallelujah. Our status is reversed. He's made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. How wonderful. That's for you. That's for me. And what happens here in this fleeting time period is so quickly passing. Whilst it matters to me now, whilst it matters to you young people now, or seems to matter, oh, there's an eternal weight of glory about to be revealed as you reach your destination. How wonderful. You know, this is not something that was just peculiar to the saints at Corinth. This is for every person, every believer, in every place, in every time. And so it applies to us here in Hamilton, just as it did in Corinth. Where you are and have been put by God is no accident. God has put you where you are. You may not even yet be a Christian. You might be sitting in this church today and not know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't been at work in your life. And you're here, even here for a reason. Paul said he discovered after he came to Christ that he'd been separated even from his mother's womb. God is in control. But Paul didn't realize it until he was on that Damascus road. And he had that experience with God. He found Jesus there. How wonderful. And so, freedom in Christ. Far more wonderful than freedom from men or from having to work or from having to earn a living. How wonderful to know the freedom that only Christ can bring. Paul was dealing with slavery and that's a little bit PC to you know, you've got to be careful talking about slavery today among Christians. But it was acceptable then to have slaves, to be a slave, to keep slaves. And he was telling them to stay in this condition, in the status that God had put them. And so God wants us to remain in the circumstances, it says, with God. These are the key words. Regardless of what situa your situation may be, and even if you cannot change it, even if it's a difficult marriage that you're in, remember that God is able to meet you right where you are and to fill your life with love and joy and peace if you are with God. Maybe you're having trouble in your business. Maybe there's trouble in your personal life. Maybe there are things that just you feel as being a Christian, it's not fair. And I love Jesus and these circumstances shouldn't be mine. Well, there's a far greater thing. Because if you are with God in your circumstances, despite the troubles, 
you will experience the joy and the peace that comes from believing in sometimes and many times a greater way than those whose circumstances aren't so terrible. I know that for sure in relation to my own life. The struggles themselves will help you to understand what God is seeking to do in your life. You know, I can look around here today and I can see on people's faces that understanding look of having been through the very experience themselves of terrible circumstances, but knowing that God comes in and is able to come in. Do you know God? Have you been with God in your circumstances? This is the key thing. Are you happy with your lot? It changes everything knowing God. It makes all the difference. It gives me peace on the inside. And so we're challenged. And I know there are those in this room today who are challenged by their circumstances. And I've had a very challenging time in my own life in the last few months. But one thing I've learned in my very small and young person's experience that God never fails us. Never. I'd love him to supply what I wanted. You know, I wanted a job straight after I left my last one, so because he paid me out a few weeks of uh, holiday pay, I'd have a bit more money and I'd, uh, I don't know, buy something for my wife. <laughs> but that wasn't to be because I wasn't going to get what I wanted. I was going to get what I needed and God provided what I needed and my God shall supply all your need. According to your circumstances here on the earth? No. According to his own riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what God will do if you'll just trust him. It's hard to trust God when your circumstances are not conducive. It is, I know. He wants you to halt, to stop, to think, to pause, and be with him in those circumstances. My mother used to have a thing above the kitchen. It was a poem written by a godly old man that I used to like, and it was called Glory Amid Drudgery. <laughs> and I can't quote it, but it used to go on about how the kitchen was always a mess and the dishes and the blah, 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 blah. it was all horrible, the poor old housewife. But she trusted in God. And there was glory amidst the drudgery. Amongst the drudgery of life in the kitchen, she was enjoying the Lord. And so it's about trusting in God. Boy, that's such an easy thing to say and such a difficult thing to do. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for what you have done in each one of our lives and what you are doing. We thank you, Father, that you have saved us. You have brought us to the foot of the cross and there shown us a dying, bleeding Saviour. 
You've shown us the one who has borne all our sins in his own body on the tree on the cross of Calvary. And Father, as we've trusted in him, we by your Holy Spirit desire to go on for him. And Father, you've given us the conditions and circumstances of each one of our lives for us to be a testimony to Jesus. And Father, sometimes it's so difficult. We think of the young people amongst us, those that have their career before them, those that have their lives before them. And we would remind them that, Father, that Jesus is coming soon. And we think of the elderly amongst us and the weak and the sick and all the diverse circumstances, Father, in which we are. But, Father, they cause us to be cast upon you. They cause us to be dependent more completely upon you, O God. You're the Father of mercy. How we praise and honor you. We pray that we might be satisfied with the lot that you have given us. For we trust in you, our God. Help us to trust in you more. Help us to have more faith in you, our God. We thank you for this day. We bless you and praise you for all your goodness. And we give you our thanks, our God and Father, praising you, worshipping you from our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.